50 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, and data, plus 20 gigs of hotspot, 100 gigs of cloud storage, and more. All on the best network. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. See Mobile Protect terms and conditions at Asurion.com slash straight talk. Limitations and exclusions apply. I'm Christine Lisi with the main story of the day. Giannis is staying with the Bucks for the foreseeable future. Giannis Antetokounmpo announcing on social media he'll sign a five-year extension with Milwaukee. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reporting it'll be for the full five-year, $228 million Supermax. Includes an opt-out after the fourth year. The Giannis deal will lead to players around the NBA viewing the Bucks differently, believes ESPN's Paul Pierce. When you have a great player in, in place as a foundation, it doesn't matter if you're Milwaukee. Like you said, it's how you run your organization. So now when free agency comes, That's what I want guys to yeah. are going to look like, hey, I can go to Milwaukee and play because of, uh, of Giannis signing this long-term deal and, and having great organization culture there. Rocket star James Harden will make his preseason debut tonight versus the Spurs. Source told ESPN's Jenna Lane, Buccaneers running back Ronald Jones underwent a procedure to have a pin inserted into his fractured left pinky finger. He still has a chance to play Sunday against Atlanta. The college football playoff committee will reveal its second-to-last rankings of the season tonight, 7 Eastern, ESPN-TV, and the ESPN app. We're back on Wednesday reacting to the latest college football playoff rankings. Everyone is disrespecting my USC Trojans. I will tell you why. They should be ranked higher. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna Jar and Levine Studios. Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. Call 904-600-4000. That's 904-600-4000. ESPN 690. Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio. WOKB Jacksonville. Listen live everywhere you go on ESPN690.com. ESPN 690, a Cox Media Group station. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, Jason Fitz is going to join us in just a moment from ESPN Radio. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Tuesday, 4 o'clock. We have Clay's Campbell interview coming up in just a bit as well as I caught up with him today, former Jags player. It's so good to catch up with Calais Campbell as the Jags play the Ravens. And right now we have a really, really good news update on Keontae Johnson. Obviously a story we've been following. The Gators basketball player who collapsed on Saturday morning in Tallahassee while the Gators were playing the Seminoles and has been in the hospital from Tallahassee to Gainesville and there has not been a lot on the update list from the school other than to say he's been in critical but stable condition. But now we get this report from his parents through the Florida Gators men's basketball program, and I'll read it quickly. Keontae is in stable condition today, breathing on his own and speaking with us and with his doctors here at UF Health. He even FaceTimed the team. We feel so much love and support from everyone. We're beyond grateful for the care and attention that Keontae has received throughout these past several days. We will continue to share updates about Keontae's health, and progress. We have seen how much people love and care for him. We hope people recognize that information that doesn't come from us or the athletic department may not be accurate. We're working closely with Keontae's doctors in the UAA to provide information to everyone who cares so deeply about him. Keontae and, uh, has been praying for him. So that is uh, an update on Keontae Johnson. The first line, once again, stable condition today, breathing on his own, speaking with us and with doctors, even FaceTime the team. That is a heck of a report for the Gators basketball team, for the Johnson family, 
And uh, for everybody who's been thinking about that young man, uh, you know, eight feet above the rim, it felt like on an alley-oop in one instance, 30 seconds later um, on the court and and everybody wondering about uh, his future and and his health and his life, uh, quite frankly. So uh, good news there on Keontae Johnson. We'll keep you posted if we get anything else. All right, Brent Morton, Austin Lane. Let's bring in Jason Fitz here on ESPN 690. What a game last night, Jason Fitz. Man, it was a heck of a game last night and uh, a big uh, a big win, obviously, for the Ravens uh, as they put themselves right back into the middle of this entire playoff conversation. So uh, it just got tougher in the AFC. And, and realistically, I said a month ago, I, I think a 10-win team is going to miss the playoffs. Now it looks like if that ten- holds true, that 10-win team could be my beloved Raiders. So uh, that'd be a heck of a kick in the no-no places to finish 2020 with. But uh, either way, there's a lot of good teams in the AFC that's, uh, that are battling it out at the end of the season. First of all, Jason, I protested, I begged and I pleaded not to have you on the show today after your comments about John Lennon last week on his birthday. I didn't even know it was his birthday last week, and Jason Fitz was talking smack, but you're still here, so let's get into the questions. All right. Well, we got we to gotta clarify that in case nobody heard it last week, which well, I'm sure everybody that's did. That's on them. Everybody did. Yeah, but it was, a, yeah. it was the Christmas song. It, it was Christmas. John Lennon. Yeah. War, war is over. Like, I can't war wait for over. that Christmas song to be over. Like, that's, what, that's where we are. He says Christmas in it. Okay, it's a Christmas song. Enough said. Um, so, listen, the Baltimore Ravens, and I've been pretty adamant about this the past couple weeks, and I saw it against the Cowboys. You see Lamar Jackson start to use his legs a lot more now. And I think it's the fact that, listen, this is win or go home, essentially. Um, We're talking about the playoffs. And Lamar Jackson gives you the best chance to win when he runs with the football. And I think that you have a team in the Ravens that have tapered him off a little bit and said, you know what, Lamar, we got to win, have at it. The way you see the Baltimore Ravens pounding the rock right now, I mean, are they a dark horse to go to the Super Bowl just from the fact that they can run the ball um, in colder weather and playoff climates? I don't think so. I, I mean, I hear your point, and I think it's yeah. a good one. I, I would also question Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, as whether or not at some point he just decided he was going to get uh, fancy this year. Like, at some point, you got to look at the guys you have and say, okay, how do I make sure that this guy's maximizing his skills? I don't think they've done that really well, particularly this year with Lamar. The one thing I think, though, is as you look across the board, last year the Ravens were so good during the regular season, and they ran the ball so well during the regular season and didn't translate the playoffs. The playoffs are such a different beast, and there are a few teams that are going to make the playoffs that have good defenses. So, you know, I I think it's tough for them to go on a run, but I also think that that has a lot to do with the fact that the Bills are a better football team than they are. The Chiefs are a better football team than they are. The Titans, as bad as their defense is on third down, are a better football team than they are. The Colts, I think, are a better football team than they are. So if you look up and down the board, they don't separate talent-wise and they don't separate creativity-wise anymore. So – I think they've got a great shot at the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to go on a run. Jason Fitz with us, 7 o'clock, Spain and Fitz all across the country on ESPN Radio. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I give you all the playoff teams, Chiefs, Steelers, Bills, Titans, Browns, Colts, Dolphins right now. The Ravens and Raiders, obviously, on the outside looking in. You got Washington, uh, potentially, <laughs> right? Um, and you have the Packers, Saints, Rams, Seahawks, Bucks, Cardinals for now. My question would be, is there an overrated team that's going to make the playoffs that maybe did some things with smoke and mirrors this year? And I I understand Washington's an easy answer to this, so let's Mm kind of keep them out if they win the East. So is there a team that's like Steelers? 
It's a great question. I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. I mean, the Steelers are – I mean, we've watched the Steelers. We'll use the college football phrase, the eye test, right? The Steelers haven't been great. So if they lo- they lose the last two games and people are saying, well, what happened to the Steelers? Nothing. It just normalized. They weren't that great during the majority of their undefeated runs. So uh, if you look at the Browns, who last night lose a close game to the, to the Ravens, we all know that. But the Browns have had their wins against particularly bad football teams with one exception. So – I feel like the Browns are a little bit of smoke and mirrors to the some of the ways they're doing things. Same can be said for the Packers, who have feasted on bad teams this year. So, you know, I think that there's a real chance. We're going to look at this and say, well, what happened in the playoffs? Well, realistically, there are a couple of teams. The Saints, uh, even even without Drew Brees, even without Michael Thomas, the Saints have still gotten themselves to where they are because they are just a darn good football team that's well coached. I think they're going to be able to do anything they want. Also, the Chiefs remind me of the Lakers in the bubble. Like, when they care, they win. When they don't, they get down by two touchdowns. And then they're like, ah, all right, guys, we should just go for it right now. So I, I think we're making this overly complicated when, in fact, there are a couple of great teams, and then there's a bunch of pretty good teams, depends on the day, maybe just feasting on bad opponents. I agree, man. And, like, with the Chiefs, I mean, even when it's bad, it still looks good. Like, Patrick Mahomes had one of his worst games against yeah. the Dolphins. You know what? Look at his numbers. Still not too shabby. Still probably gets a check mark in my book. Is there somebody you, defensively, before you ask, yeah. is, is there somebody defensively that's going to figure out Kansas City? Like, just figure out what – I know you've talked about the Patriots before, yeah. right? They'll take away Tyreek Hill, right? They're going to yeah. say, I'm going to take away your best guy. Yeah. But – and I don't mean, like, stop them, like, 10 points, but slow them down schematically. Listen, like, I mean, I've, I played, you know, on an Andy Reid coach team, and I know just the type of cerebral assassinist that he brings to an offense. And it's the fact that you can't stop everybody. You have too many weapons. You have too much speed. If you shut down Travis Kelsey, that's fine. We got Tyreek Hill. You shut down Tyreek Hill, that's fine. We'll go someplace else. We got Miko Hardman. We got everybody. We got these young guys that no one's heard of before that are just waiting to make a breakout. So I just feel like you have way too much speed, way too much talent to stop everybody. Jason Fitz, have you ever on the radio said cerebral assassin? Uh, no, but I'm going to steal it now because it makes me feel fancy. I feel swanky. Yeah. But you're not wrong. Look, the, the method to beating the Chiefs uh, is what we saw from the 49ers, and it didn't work. But the method is, can I get after you with just my front four, no other help? Mm-hmm. Can those guys get consistent pressure? Just stop the run because you will have to do that against this team. And can the rest of my guys cover at an elite level? That is just, you're asking a lot there. And if you're asking me what team actually has a defense like that, well, it is the Dolphins. I mean, I think that's part of why the Dolphins were a good matchup for them. But then what did we see? Even when the Dolphins go whole hog and it looks like they're in on this thing, whole hog, far less uh, intelligent than (laughs) cerebral. I'm hungry now. Even when they go whole hog, like, it still didn't work out for them because this offense can score so many points so quickly it's just it's just part of their process i'll tell you what man i was mad at jason fitz for the john lennon stuff last week but he's totally redeemed himself with those comments because it's funny i, I talked to matt patricia last year at the super bowl and if you remember last year the lions probably played the chiefs better than anybody and play patrick mahomes better than anybody and i asked matt patricia i'm like what is the secret to stopping patrick mahomes and I'll forget what he told me. He's like, well, you can't really stop him. You hope to contain him. And he told me, you never blitz Patrick Mahomes. You send four, sometimes only send three, and hope that you get home. You make him feel comfortable in the pocket. When he's on the run, when he's moving around, that's where he's deadly. When he actually has time in the pocket, and he's kind of that statue back there, that's when some of his air and throws come about. So I thought it was very interesting because uh, Fitz kind of said those exact yeah. same sentiments a Mental little bit. Mental clock goes Mental off. Mental clock. Jason, real quick, man, before we let you go, you mentioned the eye test, you know, of 
college football, and I got to break this down real quick. So the Gators, one of the biggest choke jobs in history against the LSU Tigers. A shoe was thrown. I was all for it. I don't think it should have been a penalty. But can you please tell my co-host, Brent Martineau, that there is no way, and I mean no way, that the Florida Gators can get in the college football playoff. Oh, God, unless they've got naked pictures of the entire committee, they're done. I mean, like, there's just there's nothing helping them now because, they, I mean, there's well, a couple things. Number one, A, it's a penalty. I don't care what you say. It is definitely I, I mean, in, in a taunting world, you take somebody's shoe and you toss it down the field, you've got to get a penalty every single time. Psychological warfare, the other Jason, side I love it. it. Psychological warfare. Uh, you know, the other side of it, though, is when you think about who's ahead of them, I mean, it doesn't matter what Florida does at this point. The committee's told you they value head-to-head. So, if anything, the fact that Florida lost to Texas A&M, who is just going to be sitting there hanging out at five? And, yeah, they got blown out. They shouldn't be in the college football playoff. But if the committee has to make the decision between a one-loss A&M team that beat Florida or a two-loss Florida team that beat Alabama, they're going to take Texas A&M in that all day, every day. I, I believe they care so much about head-to-head that A&M's got the, the, the solution for them. And A&M's just got to play the balls this weekend. So, and barring some miracle that saves Jeremy Pruitt's job for Tennessee, A&M's going to just go in there and put up style points. They're going to try and run 100 up on Tennessee in that game. Mm-hmm. So I, I absolutely think that Florida's – they are over and done, and it's one of the most disappointing penalties we've seen in college football history because it impacted the entire college football playoff. And I'm still not mad at that shoot throw. Um, but listen, so obviously the Florida Gators, we think we're on the same page. We think they're both out of it. But the question remains, Kyle Trask. You know, I mean, Kyle Trask. I mean, he did okay, right? But people are gonna see that loss and be like, he's out of the Heisman running. I'm not sure if you actually have a Heisman vote there, Jason Fitz. But like, in your opinion, if you're gonna vote for the Heisman Trophy winner, what do you take into account first? Do you take into account? you know, the the team record and how the team's doing and where they are if they're going to the college football playoff? Or do you put first the individual stats, the individual things? I, uh, well, I don't have a vote, although I do not have a vote in the Bolitnikoff Award, so I get to vote for the best wide receiver in the country, uh, but I don't Ooh, get to vote for the I will tell you this. Uh, yeah, I will tell you this, though. You know, when you talk about the Heisman to me, it's about the best player, the most dominant player in college football. And that's not about wins or losses. You can be a dominant player and not uh, not necessarily get a win or a loss with your team. It is still a team game. Last year, if I'd have had a vote for as great as Joe Burrow was, I would have given it to Chase Young because I thought he was absolutely the most unstoppable player every single Saturday in college football. But probably why I don't have a vote. I wouldn't have voted for Burrow so, uh, as my winner. So uh, I will say, with all that being said, to me, the window is still wide open for Kyle Trask. If he comes in and outduels Mac Jones in the SEC championship game, I think he wins the Heisman. I mean, it comes down to that. If he has a huge game and Florida wins, he's going to win the Heisman. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think he's got that chance, but he's got to perform well. Mm -hmm. And and they probably have to pull an upset uh, at the same time. Uh, We'll see what happens, of course, coming up by 8 o'clock. They'll be on CBS 47 here in town on Saturday. All right, Jason Fitz, 7 o'clock ESPN Radio, Spain and Fitz. Thanks for checking in, man. We didn't try to keep you too, too long today. We we, we gave you a shorter day. I, you know what? I'd stay on with you guys for hours because you're just that stinking awesome. <laughs> we appreciate it. Hey, Jason, real quick, man. Since you have oh, that Bolitnikoff Award, um, you know, since you can, you know, vote on that, I, I get it, man. Everyone's talking about, you know, the, the Alabama guys. I get that. Murray State's got a couple good receivers. No, they, they didn't play this year. Okay, they didn't play a game this year. But Murray State's got a couple good receivers. Just check them out real quick. Make sure you. Uh, you trying to you... lose me my vote before hey, I've even no, given my first no, one. No, I'm no. a new voter. Hey. If I vote for somebody that didn't play this year, my Jason, first year voting, Jason, it's not going to go well. Jason, relax. 
I'm just saying, just put your peepers on some Murray State wide receivers on Instagram and stuff like that. They didn't play this year, but you might like what you see. Yeah, we, we'd call you a Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voter if you did something like that. Just put your peepers <laughs> on it. It's gonna be here's okay. the real question. Yes, I, I will ask good. you guys, as, as, as Florida guys, here's the real question. There is an award for tight end of the year, right? We all know that. Yeah. Yeah. And we all know that Pitts is listed as a tight end. But we also know that he's as dominant as a wide receiver. Ooh. I voted for him in the first round as a wide receiver. And Ooh. I've had heated debates with some of my, with some of my people, uh, some of my coworkers in general. They're like, nope, he's a tight end. He's not a wide receiver. Well, uh, okay. I mean, he's such a hybrid in that offense that I don't care where you line him up. He's being used like a wide receiver. He's being thrown to like a wide receiver. And he's putting up wide receiver numbers. Why would he not get some consideration, even if by body type and by depth chart listing he's a tight end? That's I, awesome. What, I mean, I agree, man, because, listen, we're not watching Kyle Pitts' highlights of him blocking on the line. We're watching Kyle right. Pitts' highlights of him split out wide or in the slot or wherever he goes. So I agree with and you, And if man. he split out wide against a corner, like, that's, that's the same thing a wide receiver does. Like, if correct. he's beating a corner on a route for a touchdown – that's a wide receiver. I don't care what he says on the depth chart. I love it. Jason Fitz. So we'll check you out tonight. 7 o'clock, Spain and Fitz. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. That's uh, Jason Fitz. Yeah, that's a great point because Kyle Pitts will win the Mackey Award for the best tight end. I hope so, yeah. But i I got to be honest with you. You tell me Kyle Pitts, I don't think of him at all as a tight end. I understand he lines up there, and I understand when we say things like that. He's a pass like catcher. Well, but he, he would have still take pride and value and say, I'm a good blocker, too. Yeah. And we all ignore that because of the way the game is. I mean, they're putting up 650 yards and 45 points a game and all that stuff. So, But I really don't think about – like, when I talk about the Jags, please don't get complacent. You know, when I talk about getting another pass catcher, like, I think of Kyle Pitts. Like, it, it's okay that Kyle Pitts is in that conversation because yeah. he's a weapon on offense. So, like, but, what then, but at the same time, though, then, like, would you, like, listen, if he was a fantastic blocker, would you give him, like, whatever the offensive lineman of the award, you know, like, or a tackle award? You know what I'm saying? Like, he is a tight, like, he's listed as a tight end on the roster. And I'm not sure, like, where I stand on this whole debate here. But then you could say, like, well, if he's a great blocker, if there's a great blocking tight end, then give him, you know, offensive. Lineman of the year. Yeah, I I, I guess. Uh, but I, I still, listen, Mercedes Lewis was very good, but he still yeah. wasn't. He probably still wasn't better than a tackle at blocking. Uh, Probably not. I mean, I mean some of the usually, tackles I rolled through here, maybe. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you get my point. You know what I mean? I mean, mm. I, I don't think this guy is just as dangerous, just as good. Like, I don't even look at his body. I think tight ends, and I do think Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey's got a tight end body. Yeah. This guy doesn't have a tight end body. Mm-hmm. Like, he really does. I mean, he does, but he doesn't. He's Waller's the same way, right? Yep. Well, do you think a Waller is a tight end? Absolutely not. Nope. Nobody yeah, right. does. Yeah. So, I mean, th- th- there's very rare, like, two, you know, two-way tight ends these days that are, like, really good blockers and good receivers as well. Where do you stand on the Heisman? I mean, uh, are you... Are you Traskin Jones right now? I mean, do you think Devontae Smith is in the conversation? Uh, it, Trevor Lawrence cannot get it, right? Justin Fields probably can't get it. Feels like Fields has a better chance than even Lawrence, but I doubt yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, to me, it's a it's a two-horse race uh, between Trask and Jones. Um, I, I get it, man. Smith is playing at a very, very high level. But, like, just the way these things have gone. If you're asking me, like, who's going to win it out of my prediction, I'm going to say it's going to be Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones outduels Kyle Trask. I think Alabama wins pretty um, handedly, and then Mac Jones becomes the Heisman Trophy winner. Like, listen, I get it. Devontae Smith burst on the scene when no one expected him to, and the numbers that he's putting up, it's surreal, and I understand that. But at the end of the day, well, who's throwing to him? Mac Jones. So I think it's going to be Mac Jones. Well, and, and from that standpoint, 
what does let's just say this i'm gonna give you a scenario okay Mm -hmm. mac jones and alabama win and Najee harris runs for 150 and and a couple touchdowns and uh, mac jones has a 240 yard game a Mm -hmm. touchdown heck i'll give him 280 and a touchdown no picks Mm -hmm. Uh, but Harris had like, let's say even say like a third touchdown or Devonte Smith had a, had a punt return touchdown like they did the other day. Yeah. And the Gators don't get walloped. Mm-hmm. They're in the game, but they they lose. They, they lose, uh, 42 to 34, mm-hmm. say. But Mac Jones throws for, I'm sorry, uh, Kyle Trask throws for 450, throws four touchdown passes, no picks, plays really good. I test wise as well, keeps them in the game. He's the reason, you know, that they're, they're still right there with Alabama. Mm-hmm. You still think Mac Jones is all because of the W? Because the numbers are so highly in favor of Trask. No, I understand that. I think if, if Mac Jones gets a W, there is something to be said by that. Leading your team to a college football playoff spot, Trask can't say the same thing. And I get it. It's an individual award. Most important player. Well, I can argue the most important player plays on the number one team in the nation and taking his team to the playoff. Yeah, I, and, I think, listen, they haven't won a national championship now in a few years, right? Alabama hasn't. Yeah. And so you can – this is a, the argument for Mac Jones that people aren't bringing up enough. Yeah, they're always good. That's great. doesn't mm-hmm. matter who you plug in, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Mac Jones, you know, McCarron, mm-hmm. you know, you, you name it. They're always good. I get that. They have one national title. And so if this guy leads you to the SEC championship – I should say one national title in like a few years, which feels like they win every year. Yeah, but yeah. you actually got to go back now, I think, going on four years to get the national title for Alabama. So if Mac Jones comes in here and he – He's leading you to and toward a national title. I mean, how is he not one of the most important players? No, I hear you, man. I mean, he, because nobody expected this from Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. This was a placeholder to get to Bryce Young, the five-star guy at Alabama. Yeah. He has exceeded expectations so much that he's now given you a chance, Alabama a chance, to be really the favorite now to win a national championship. And at the end of the day, you can sit here and tell me that it's all about an individual award and the stats matter, but Devontae Smith, and I love you, man. I think you're going to be a great receiver in the NFL. But if Randy Moss can't win the Heisman that year, you're not going to win it either. Yeah, it's a great call. I mean, it's really hard. I, I think, actually, Smith hurt himself last week. Yeah. Like, he would have had to have a monster. He had the punt return, but he only had two catches. Did you know who won the year Randy Moss won? Or was it? Oh, boy. I think it was 1997. Would that have been Warfel? Uh-uh. Well, you were Warfel when it. 96. Hey, hey Manning. Oh, Manning won it. Yeah. Nice. Career award. So Career award? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Because, like, I'm looking at... Mac, uh, Manning won it over Grossman. And everybody said Grossman stats. should have won it. Yeah, Manning, 36 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Heisman. That's why Trevor Lawrence has a chance, because of Manning. You think so? I think so. I think it's Mac Jones. Yeah, we got a Clay's Campbell interview coming up in just a little bit. Uh, We talk more NFL as well. It's on the way on ESPN 6-9. Brent Martineau. This is an email. Why is WWE wrestling not being shown on Friday night? Austin Lane. Thank you very much. Read it right now. Read it right now. This could I be just for me. did. Why oh, is that? That's it. That's I mean, it? that's why I thought. I don't know. I mean, Roman's yeah. only five. I don't know how many sentences he can make. Yeah, Smart some, kid. Somebody but. might have proofread it for him. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Well, I think part of it is is again what we're trying to preach as coaches and and, and talk about culture and that it is getting better. I think because we lost a, a, a number of games, uh, and, but we were in them all the way. And um, and lastly, but not least, nobody ran away with the division. And I think as long as you're playing with some hope, uh, I think that's important. I, I really do. I think some of the decisions that were made 
also helped in terms of telling these guys that this this was about winning, trying to win, wanting to win, trying to learn how to win. I, I think those things are important. I didn't hear the first part. John Harbaugh? Uh, I was thinking, could it be Ron Rivera? Wow. Gosh, I'm good at that. Why are we playing the Redskins right now? Way better at that than at remembering Heisman races from the late 90s. Oh. I was in college. Got him. I was 10 years old. Nine years old. Yeah, you you know you bring up something that's really interesting though, because you mentioned like, and I'm kind of right along with you. I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, Peyton, Ma- Peyton no. Manning, you're right. Peyton, no, Peyton Manning, Manning won the didn't win the Heisman. Charles, Charles Woodson won the Heisman, but we feel like Peyton Manning won the Heisman. Yeah, we do. Yeah, that was on my. That, that's and by the way, me. and Grossman was under uh, Crouch, which I knew that wasn't the same time period. But your your whole point, by the way, I think is a valid one, despite us messing up who oh, won the Heisman yeah. for the last uh, for well, those four years. Yeah, uh, because the. the well, Woodson is the last defensive guy to win. Mm-hmm. How many I say receivers that now, and now every time I say something about the yeah, Heisman, I'm like, careful, oh, wait a minute. Um, but I, he is the last defensive guy to win. So Clowney didn't? No, Clowney didn't. No. Okay. Uh, Clowney and I think, like uh, like Fitz was saying, you know, J- Chase Young people thought it would be. There have been guys that were like, hey, you can make the argument for. And you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could certainly make the argument for. And Clowney, uh, Clowney probably would have been with a monster. Like, he would have been more in that race, in that discussion. Yeah. But he with a monster last year. But didn't it kind of feel like at times Clowney, if I remember correctly, was playing not to get hurt that year. Yep. And, and he wasn't as great as everybody thought he would be um, his here's, last season at South Carolina. Here's an interesting tidbit for you. Last wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy. Should have been Randy Moss. Ah, with all due respect to Charles Woods. Last wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy. Last wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy. Eric Little, Crouch? No. <laughs> didn't he play some wide out? And I'll tell you what, though. <laughs> little, little bit of irony here for you. Um... Gosh, been this should get talked about more, I feel like. in term, and I'll, I'll break it down why in a second. One receiver to win the Heisman Trophy. If they'd give me a, a vote, maybe I'd be better off at, at knowing this yeah. um, these years. You want a hint? Good thing I don't have one, I guess. Um, yeah, give me a little hint. We just talked about the school. We we literally just like it wasn't a Marshall guy. Mm-mm. No, uh, I mean we're ta- we just talked about the school, mm-hmm. Nebraska. Mm-mm. Nebraska. Why would they ever have a receiver? We just talked about Alabama and Florida and, nope. and all the rest. But you're, you're missing one that we just talked about. Michigan. Mm. Oh, Desmond. Desmond Howard. Should have got that, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... He's then, the last receiver? Gosh, that 91, I feel like, unless I'm missing somebody, but according to no, fansighted.com, yeah, how many... Uh, it's all quarterbacks. It's yeah. Since Desmond, it's Toretta, it's Ward, uh, running backs, Salam and, and George, and then Warfel, and then Woodson. At least I got the... Uh, I was in the neighborhood for Warfel. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, Ricky Williams, Ron Dane, Wanky, Crouch, Palmer, Jason White. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be one people would miss, I think, a lot. Yep. You know, if you're going back and naming them. And Matt then, Leinart, uh, Bush, Troy Smith, Tim Tebow, of course, Sam Bradford, Mark Ingram, Cam Newton, Robert Griffin, Johnny Manziel, James Winston, Marcus Mariota, Derek Henry, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Kyle yep. Murray. So, I mean, it, you, and this has been the discussion for years. It's just become a quarterback award. Uh, yeah, the other guy, I mean, you got Tim Brown, 87, Heisman Trophy I winner. I that one. And then, of course, everyone's favorite player from the Nebraska Cornhuskers back in 72, say it with me, Johnny Rogers. 
Yeah, yeah. Remember big name? Do you remember? I don't remember. Well, I, mean, I don't I remember. I wasn't born, I'm just saying yeah. his big name. I guess, but I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, uh, <laughs> certainly Nebraska. I don't remember Nebraska hey, throwing the football. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sad to say, but I don't know Johnny Rogers. I mean, I remember, sorry, dude. I just remember Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Wishbone, and 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 all that kind of stuff growing up as a kid. But um, it's that's a great point call on Desmond Howard though to go all the way back. Obviously, defensive player doesn't make sense, right? Because uh, nobody, they just don't win it this year. You, you can't anymore. You yeah. can't do it. But receiver to me and Devonte Smith, I think he again. I think he was building momentum until last week when he had two catches, mm-hmm. and then you got to go back to Desmond Howard for that. Would have been. Um, I did not realize you had to go that far back. Uh, but isn't it? I mean, that. it's crazy though because it goes to show you just what Saban's all about in terms of like the individual. Like, listen, Kyle Trask has been put on a podium for everybody to see. Why? Because I think Dan Mullen wants to get Kyle Trask the uh, the Heisman. Simple as that. I mean, like the, the the game plan shows that. Even when you're in, you know, in the twenty yard line, you can run the ball. No, you're in a pass. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. With the Alabama Crimson Tide, like Saban doesn't care. He'll he'll pound the rock with Harris if he has to, right? And he'll throw sometimes to Mac Jones. But to give Devonte Smith two catches, come on. Yeah, well, some of that was he got, you know, again that that ankle, yeah, um, was twisted, and it's like I, I believe but Saban's approach in that game was like, hey, I'm not going to put my guys in danger of getting hurt, but I'm going to yeah. play. I'm not going to hold them out, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then you kind of look at the pitch yeah. thing, where it's like, I'm not going to put my guy in danger of getting hurt. He's not maybe 100, percent but they just held him out, mm-hmm. and that hurt uh, Florida. It was an intro. That's kind of my view of it. Who knows what really happened and, and why? But that's kind of my look at how that that all went down. I guess so. my point I was trying to make those like Saban I don't think really cares about I mean like if the Heisman helps out the university yada 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 but I think he's so focused on winning that he's not trying to like pad anybody's stats. Well listen I think there's ego involved in the Heisman from a coaching standpoint too but if you look back now at Saban he just did have Derrick Henry right and mm-hmm. and uh, they've had winners at Alabama like Mark Ingram you know so I think he's got him mm-hmm. and Mullen does it. And so I do think that's important. I think that's an important part. Mullen has this great case of quarterbacks, right, of Tebow and Dak Prescott and and now Trask. Mm -hmm. But I think you want the trophy, too, to say, you know, Tebow's trophy is Urban Meyer. It's not Dan Mullins necessarily. And so I do think there's a a little bit of ego involved. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I I think that's part of it. But um, it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. I think Trask needs a big game uh, to make it happen. I, I I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh man, I, it is so amazing to think that when you say Peyton Manning's name, we notice him from college football so much, mm-hmm. and he was the number one pick and the talk of the, all that stuff, and you knew he was at the ceremony and, and everything. And, but you do have to remind yourself, as we were just reminded of Charles Woodson that won. I, again, mm-hmm. I think people like you have in your mind, like Peyton Manning, of course he won the Heisman, right? And yeah. he didn't. <laughs> but you have it and you're kind of in the mind of, you know, of course, everybody around here, Southeastern Conference, Florida fans, and, and, and of course, they never beat the Gators. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big – so they know everything about Peyton Manning. But I just think on a whole, uh, you kind of are like, oh, yeah, of course he did. Yeah, he was a great college quarterback. Sounds like right, he, he yeah. had to win, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think – but what's interesting about that is people might say that about Trevor Lawrence. People are going to say Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, always the number one pick. Uh, he's got to be the number one pick since the uh, minute he stepped on Clemson, uh, you know, University and Winter. look what he did mm-hmm. and look what he did as a freshman. Look what he's done. And, you know, we have this vision of Trevor Lawrence and I think he's going to kind of fit in that category. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to go back some 20 years and you're going to be like Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. 
Trevor Lawrence won. Yeah, yeah, he was the Heisman winner that year. Yeah, right? yeah. And it's going to feel like that, and he's not going to win it, which is kind of wild. Well, and it's also wild, too, because that year back in 97, you know, Peyton Manning, he won the SEC championship. Um, Tennessee at the time was uh, 11 and 1, and then they lost in the bowl game to Nebraska. But, like, he had success as well. I mean, like, maybe the numbers didn't knock your socks off, but in terms of team success, he had it. So it's kind of interesting to see, like, I guess where the evolution has happened now. Because if you just go off stats, Kyle Trask all day. I mean, I don't think Mac Jones can compete with the stats of Kyle Trask, but it begs the question how much stake of the Heisman voting goes into the success of a team. Yeah, well, we'll see. I think that's varied over the years. I, I really do. And um, that was an interesting comp with your Randy Moss, uh, how we got thrown off into a, a different world. But mm-hmm. Randy Moss, Devontae Smith, and I, I think um, Did you just mentioned was uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Jason White over Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> so I didn't really remember Larry Fitzgerald being a part of I mean, obviously, playing for Pittsburgh. I just don't <laughs> yeah. remember being a part of the ceremony or anything. Yeah. But, um, it, you know, it's it's just a quarterback award. I mean, it's a quarterback I award know. with a sneaky a running back that can get in there and pile up a bunch of numbers like others have. And Did, listen, Derrick Henry was deserving, in, in my opinion. Yeah. But you have to have those kind of seasons mm-hmm. to, to eclipse the or have a down year maybe in in quarterbacks yeah. if you're going to win it. So, Randy Moss, did you ever see his 97 stats? No. 96 receptions, 1,820 yards, average of 19 yards per throw. Get ready for this one. Stand up if you have to stand up. 26 touchdowns. 26 touchdowns. That was a fun offense. Man. And it was uh, Chad Pennington, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun offense. Yeah. 26 touchdowns in one year. Wide receiver. Dang. Um... Of course, we mentioned Byron Leftwich earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, all right, uh, let's take a break. We'll take a break early. Uh, we come back. We got a uh, Calais Campbell interview on the way, 5 o'clock. Also, I got to give a nod to our Athlete of the Week here on ESPN 690. That is coming up. And uh, big news out of the NBA, Giannis. How surprised are you that Giannis got the deal done? Because oh. you were not confident. You were not confident. I don't know about that. What's it mean for James Harden now? Eh, maybe we'll talk a little NBA for a couple of minutes. We're going this there? is kind of your day. Well, don't forget we have quarterback grades coming out too. Oh, I was trying to skip over that. No, sir. We still got an hour thirty left in the show. Who played better, Kyler Murray or Daniel Jones? We'll break it down, but seriously, just guess. If we had an hour just thirty, we'd probably better. do it. But it's more like an hour and ten, twelve just minutes. Guess who so I just don't better. know if we're gonna have Was it Daniel Jones it or Kyler Murray? We'll break it down later. It was Peyton Manning. Where's Colt Colt McCoy when you need him? Major breaking news. Giannis Antetokounmpo not going anywhere. Signing a Supermax extension five more years in Milwaukee. This is a good day for the NBA. A good day for the NBA. One of the ways the league gets itself in trouble is when all the stars congregate on three or four teams. When you only have three or four teams that you care about, it makes too much of it seem irrelevant. I think it's good that Giannis, a superstar, a a marketable, watchable, telegenic, brilliant player that people want to see, playing on a team like Milwaukee, a market like Milwaukee, but not even just the market, but just a place that isn't Golden State because they got all their stars. And L.A. because both those teams have all their stars. And Brooklyn has their stars. Keep it spread out. Give me ten teams I want to see, not just three. You like that, Mike Greenberg? Love it, Greenberg. Always been a big fan of you since day one. Respect. 
Respect, Mike. Hey, uh, when those lineup changes are coming out and everybody's saying, oh, it's good. No. Get Dan Levitard out. Go on. Go, go in Miami and hang out with Tyler Hero and the Miami Heat. Greenberg gets it. I've, I've, always been a, I've always been a big Greenberg guy, but I've told you that many times before. You have. You just went heel on Stugatz and I know. Wait, Levitard. What but. do you want me to tell you, man? The guy speaks the truth. Uh... Giannis staying in Milwaukee, obviously, it's a good thing for you. Great thing. It's a good thing for the NBA overall. I mean, to that point, I mean, it is like, L.A. does have stars. Brooklyn has stars. Uh, Milwaukee people are going to say, well, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, is that the best place to be? People wondered if that's where he wanted to be. I tell you, I love this by Giannis, first of all, because it's it doesn't matter that it's Miami or L.A. and all this stuff. And I, I think that's kind of cool. He's and now not about that. You can be – well, you always said he's not about that, but then you didn't think they were going to sign him back because you didn't think he was going to go. So yeah, well, you I didn't mean, really fully I believe mean, he wasn't all about that. There's always that doubt in your mind, right? Because we're, I'm so preconditioned of how the NBA operates now where it's like the logical move for him would probably be to go to someplace else in a bigger market. And he didn't. So, like, I guess I was so surprised and I doubted him a little bit just because I've seen this story so many times before. And you always end up getting your heart broken. And this, you know, this generational type basketball player for the city of Milwaukee chose to stay. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I think just it, it's a testament to what he brings to the table in terms of that. And once again, hashtag immigrant mentality. Like the guy's a hard worker, doesn't care about the cameras, doesn't care about the glitz and glamour. Listen, I love Milwaukee, but in the wintertime, Jacksonville is pretty cool right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm enjoying Jacksonville. And it just goes to show you that sometimes there still is loyalty in the NBA. What does it mean for the landscape of the NBA? Will people start to go there? Will he attract more people there? Do they yeah. have, I mean, I mean, they don't they, have a lot, to don't have a lot yeah. right now yeah. to even give. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he's definitely the Pied Piper yeah. up in Milwaukee. I mean, people are going to want to go play with Giannis and, and yeah. build this thing. and. You know, he hadn't had much success in the postseason, but he'll build toward that. A lot of that happens to a lot of even great players. They yeah. build toward the success uh, in the postseason. So it'd be, you know, well, it'd become a destination place, much like there are a lot of them. And I, I kind of agree with what Greenberg just said right there, too. You, you don't want just, you don't want to know it's going to be the Cavs and Golden State the yeah. way it was. And we did kind of know that. I mean, barring a crazy upset. We knew that. Heck, we thought it was going to be the Bucks and the Lakers or the Clippers, but Miami spoiled that party, and really yeah. Milwaukee spoiled that party. They didn't play well enough. But I like the fact now that you have Golden State that might come back. You have Brooklyn. You have Dallas and, and Doncic, and, yeah. and you have uh, the Clippers and the Lakers. Toronto always oh, seems good. Miami might yeah. be building still with Jimmy Butler. Boston uh, still is pretty solid. Boston's you know solid. I mean? you, Milwaukee, if Giannis Denver, is there, they're going to be a— You can't hear about Denver, too. Jamal Murray. So you've got a lot there. I mean, right now, this is about, this seems like pretty balanced NBA right now. And I just like it, too, because it, it's it's for the small market teams, right? It's it's for the teams that are kind of the underdogs a little bit. It's it's not for the, you know, the, the global takeovers, if you will. Like, the small market teams can still compete and actually find success and do very well. Um, Brent, you know, like, listen, in, in terms of marketing, in terms you know, of those like ideas, I might have a million-dollar idea. I'm not sure if I should share it right now or if we keep this under wraps. What do you think? Go ahead. Share it. All right. You ever heard of the the brand Schlitz Beer? Yes, I have, actually. Obviously, man, Milwaukee, right? Do you know their motto? Like, do you know, like, what their slogan was back in the day? No. Schlitz Beer. The beer that made Milwaukee famous. Now, who are the Milwaukee Bucks? Giannis Adekempo, big sign, the deer that made Milwaukee famous. What do you think about that? I can buy that. Yeah. Okay. 
That's all, that's all I'm throwing out there. I can definitely buy that. Hashtag and trademark. So if somebody tries to steal it, I'm suing you. Fantastic. <laughs> and we have, we have tons of lawyers here on the show, so I dare someone to steal that idea. Because this isn't like the whole Mormons versus mullets thing. That was out there in the atmosphere a long time before I said it. You kind of stole that. I didn't steal it. I thought of it. I mean, somebody else came up with it before I did. Sorry. But this one, no one's talking about the deer that made Milwaukee famous. Well, we need a lawyer here on the show anyway just to trademark all the stuff we want to trademark. So much stuff, Brent. I mean. So much stuff. I, I don't know. I, I've kind of looked into trademarking things. Yeah. And you basically have to be able to, like, I think you have to sell stuff first. So we got to go with the T-shirts first, show that you can you, you it can be like merchandise sales, yeah. and then I think you can trademark. I think there's something about that. Yeah. I might be just totally making that up, but I feel like somebody <laughs> said that to me. It's a possibility. But hey, well, one last thing though with this Milwaukee thing, and then I'll get off it. But um, it goes to show you to like, listen. They had to give up a king's ransom to get Holiday, and they essentially, with all due respect to 76ers, that they trusted the process. Right, because they sacrificed their entire future to see if Giannis will come back or not, and I'm not sure what those conversations were like, but they risked it for the biscuit, and you know what? It paid off in the end. And, and loyalty wins. If Larry Bird played in these modern times, Larry Bird would never. He'd be on the first plane ride to Dallas or the the first plane ride to L.A. Because you know, like you know, they spread the ball and everything like that. Larry Bird would never in these times. So it's congratulations, Giannis Antetokounmpo, man, staying true to who you are. Loyalty wins today. Just remember, Larry Bird and his free agency and the Larry Bird rule made paved the way for Giannis to stay. Larry Bird didn't pave the way for anything, okay? I, I mean, like, he, he set the standard, but then, like, Steph Curry came by and said, oh, cool, three-pointers? Yeah, I'm going to take over from here, Larry. Thanks. Appreciate you. Mm. Hey, we have uh, an athlete of the week. <laughs> yeah. New topic. <laughs> uh, we have an athlete of the week. To uh, celebrate today, thanks for voting along on ESPN690.com, and you can continue to do so. It's Stone Newsom from Middleburg High School, football player. We're still celebrating some of the football players as football season comes to an end. We had a couple of state championships over the next uh, couple of days for our Jacksonville teams, so we have that going. Uh, but Stone Newsom from Middleburg High School, football player, congratulations. 4.0 GPA, first team all-county, safety. For uh, the Bronx, 70 tackles, an interception, two forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. And uh, going to play some ball in college as well. He's still deciding. By the way, a signing day is happening tomorrow, early signing day. Uh, so congratulations to Stone Newsom and thanks to everybody who voted on our ESPN 690 Athlete of the Week. Brought to you by Honda of the Avenues. We've got another poll up there. Congrats, too, to Oakley's uh, Jelena Hope. Volleyball player and Kyrie Hammond, uh, the Reigns football player, who were nominees last week. Stone Newsom won the vote on ESPN690.com. And we're going basketball this week on the ESPN690.com Athlete of the Week. Brought to you by Honda the Avenues. Jasmine Roberts from Bishop Kenny. Bobby Crouch from Bowles. Alex Fudge from Lee High School. So get on there and vote. You have until Friday at 6 o'clock or whenever Coos decides to take down the poll. Uh, but uh, Friday at say 6 ish. Just say yeah, ish behind say, Yeah. Uh, my biggest fear is like, yeah, Friday at 6 o'clock and it's like one vote deciding the, the winner <laughs> and it changes at 6.01. <laughs> but uh, Stop anyway, count. you have until 6 o'clock uh, ESPN. 690.com, 6 o'clock on Friday to vote. I so, mean, was there ever a doubt with Stone Newsome, though? I mean, you love the name. You, I, you I voted can't for get him, enough. I think. I, five times. <laughs> five times, Stone. So you're welcome, man. Our conversation with Calais Campbell coming up next.